talk. Let's talk about it. Good morning. Glad you're here today. I want to remind you here at the Bible Chapel, we exist to develop followers of Jesus Christ. And we love that word develop because it means to bring into reality. That's the non-believer. We always want to be in a place where we can answer their questions and help those really seeking a relationship with Christ. The word develop also means make stronger. And that's for those who are believers to, to help them grow in their walk with Christ. So we're glad you're here. And as we develop followers of Christ together, it's an exciting place to be in the life of our church. We also want to remind you that on March the 21st, uh, we have a, a parenting conference and uh, we have a great group coming. We also have a need for some people to take care of kids. We have a lot of little kids that are going to be in the nursery and uh, in the toddler area. And so if you or your teenager can help with the kids, there's a process to go through, we would love for you to do that. I want to remind you also, get this in your notes, May 30, 31. Uh, May 30 is our night of worship. We have all of our campuses come together in this room. All of our worship leaders uh, lead us in a great, great time of worship. That's May 30th and on May 31st, we go back to our campuses and we have baptisms. If you haven't been baptized as a believer, we encourage you to do that. There's a process to go through there. You can go on uh, online and get all the information you need. If you're uh, celebrating a 25th or 40, uh, our 50th wedding anniversary, uh, then we would love to honor you and, and just thank God for the work that he's done uh, in your life and marriage, uh, baby dedications, all kinds of things. So get that down and uh, plan around May 30 and 31. Deal? Deal. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for all that you do in our life. Thank you that we can sing that you are worthy in, 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 in every area of our life, even, even when there are challenges. Lord, you, you meet us always uh, right where we are, and then you don't leave us there but you take us to that place that you want us to be. And so, Lord, help us to be in that process of, of, of true spiritual growth. Don't let, us, don't let us be tomorrow where we are today. and Don't let us be next week where we are this week. Help us to be growing and developing in our walk with you. We thank you, Lord, for our time of singing. We thank you for um, this thing that you've given us to reach down into our, our hearts and our souls and sing praises to you. And now we pray, Lord, as we continue our worship looking in your word, uh, we pray that you would speak to us as only you can do. We have, we have absolutely nothing to say unless it comes from your word. And we can't hear unless you open our ears and, and soften our hearts and, and just allow us, Lord, to, to hear what you want us to hear today. So be with us, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. All right, so the word corona is a Latin word meaning crown. And certainly the coronavirus seems to be reigning supreme over parts of our world uh, and reigning supreme over the emotions and, and fears of many. Besides impacting uh, health, the coronavirus is impacting economies, uh, certainly commodities, some coming from uh, different parts of Asia. The stock market's been like crazy up and down uh, the last couple of weeks and travel. Uh, is getting canceled. Uh, the virus is continually, continually in the news. When I was writing uh, this sermon, I just checked my uh, news feed on my, uh, on my iPhone and five of the first 10 stories that I scrolled through were about the corona 
virus. Here at the Bible Chapel, we are taking um, reasonable precautions. Uh, we're doubling down on cleaning particular areas of our building where the virus could spread. We suspended our meet and greet time. I know that's really disappointing uh, for a lot of you. And uh, instead of head, handshakes, you're welcome just to do the elbow thing. Be careful with the elbows. That could be dangerous as well. Common sense, right? God gives us a brain to think with and make intelligent decisions. So the word corona in Latin, remember, means crown. And to be sure, there is only one who wears a crown in our life, right? His name is Jesus. And for the believer, what an opportunity we have for a world that whether this is, whether this is overreaction or hype, who knows, but in a world who is getting a lot of news for us to say, you know what, we serve one who's in control. We serve one who is sovereign overall. And for believers, we don't panic, but we pray. And we ask for God's protection and for his work in our life. So when, um, when something like this happens, when a virus uh, takes place, it gets a lot of news, right? And when it's a physical virus, man, we, we, we take note. But often we don't think about the spiritual viruses that go around and in, infect relationships uh, in, in marriages and families. Spiritual viruses like pride, you've heard of that one, right? Uh, contention in a marriage. Um, conflict that hasn't been settled hurtful words. The proverb says, uh, uh, reckless words pierce like a sword. The virus of quitting uh, on a relationship. Take your Bibles and, and turn to First Corinthians. We're going to look at chapter 7 today as we continue to work our way through this book. And today we're going to look at this issue of marriage. Paul has so much to say about marriage and relationships through the book of 1 Corinthians. So let me give you a little backgrounder on our topic today, and then we will get into the word. So um, Paul starts the church in Corinth on his second missionary journey. He goes there. Uh, he introduces people to, to Christ. He develops them. He, he disciples them, as Paul always did. He stayed there for 18 months. So he's in Corinth for 18 months building the church here. That was his second missionary journey. He then goes back to Jerusalem, and then he goes on his third missionary journey. It's now about five to seven years later. We don't know exactly how long. And there's a group that comes from Corinth over to Ephesus where Paul is on his third missionary journey. We don't know if they sailed across. We don't know if they went by land, but we know either way it's a long journey. And they went and they had some things to talk about. They said, Paul, we got some issues in this church you started. You won't believe this, Paul, but there are divisions in the church. The church is getting ready to split up. We've got people following one person and another person and another person, and there are divisions within the church. Paul, you're not going to believe this, but sexual immorality, the culture of Corinth, you know the sexual immorality in the culture of Corinth, it has seeped into the church. In fact, there's this guy living with his mother-in-law, and, 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 and the leaders of the church aren't even addressing it. They're not doing a thing about it. And Paul, this is going to be crazy, but, but people are getting drunk at communion. Now, we don't, they didn't do the little cups 
like we do today, right? Couldn't get drunk on those, I don't think. But people are getting drunk at communion. And Paul, we got some issues in our marriages. We got some issues with sexuality. We've covered that. And we got some issues in our marriages. Paul, it's a mess. So Paul begins in chapter 7, verse 10, to address some issues in marriage. How do you stay together? When can you split up? What are some practical things that you need to know regarding marriage? Now, before we get into that, let me say this one thing. We're going to learn today very clearly that the absolute best thing you can do, parents, for your kids is to love their mom and dad and stay with their mom and dad. You can read every parenting book and you can go to every parenting conference. But the best thing you can do to really provide stability in your home and teach your kids what it looks like to follow Jesus is to love their mom and love their dad together in the home. Let me make this statement strong that I believe Paul's making in this passage. Strong Christian homes are one of the most powerful statements that Jesus transforms and changes lives. Strong Christian homes, I'll say it this way, is the most powerful statement that Jesus truly transforms and changes lives. Teenagers, you need to hear that before you start dating. Because when you start dating, you're entering to this process of relationship. And you need to know where you're headed. High school students, you may be dating your mate in high school. Who knows? I don't know. And if when you go off to college, it's quite likely You'll find someone there. Who are you looking for? And what's this thing about marriage all about anyway? Young adults, you're not looking for just availabilities, but a person you can commit the rest of your life to. Married couples, Paul's going to tell us today, this thing is for keeps. This thing's for real. Look at verse 10 and 11. Paul says, to the married, I give you this charge, not I, but the Lord. The wife should not separate from her husband, but if she does, she should remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband. And the husband should not divorce his wife. Divorce and separate, same word there, different words, same meaning. So Paul is saying there that marriage is for real. To the married, I give this charge, not I, but the Lord. Now, when Paul gives this, when he puts out this word married, we all know, man, there's a lot right there in that word married, right? I mean, that's a lot of history and a lot of, 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 of to unpack as we think about marriage. So first of all, you have the dating relationship. You remember when you first ask out your spouse on a date? Remember that? Okay, maybe you don't, but you should. And um, let's make it a little easier. How about the proposal? You remember the proposal? And, and, and then you did like all the pictures and stuff and then on Facebook and uh, Instagram, 
put all those engagement uh, pictures out there and then you say, you, you, did the, you did the save the date card and all that stuff. Remember all that? You don't. Well, maybe it's been a long time for some of you, but we have four kids and um, three daughters. So when Brittany got engaged, I just went into denial. That's the best way for me to, to work it. And when Garrison got engaged, I said, thank God I don't have to pay uh, for that. So that was good. When, uh, when Laura got engaged, I went back into denial. And then Mackenzie uh, just got engaged. And so I'm in denial now. And um, I forgot all this. St- I mean, I just forgot all the stuff that goes along with this, like shopping for a wedding. Now, like a, they've had like 150 appointments to find a, a wedding dress, I, I swear. Um, and I've never done this before, but, but uh, Mackenzie and Lori and Laura talked me in to going wedding dress shopping. <laughs> that was the most foolish thing I have ever done in my life. That was miserable the whole time. I was about as useful as the G in lasagna. <laughs> I just heard that last week. I couldn't wait to share that with you guys. Some of you will get that this afternoon. <laughs> and then the, oh, I really like that a lot. <clears throat> and then there's the there's the there's the food, right? You got to get the cater and all that. Do you know those little meatballs wrapped in bacon? Those things are about two dollars a pop. Two dollars a pop. Think about that when you stick that toothpick into those. And you volunteered to do all this. No one made you get married, right? No one made you get married. No one forced you. You stood before all those people you invited and you said, I take you to be my wedded husband and wife to have and to hold, remember, something like this from this day forward. For better or what? Worse. For richer or for poorer. In sickness and health until what? Till death do us part. That sounds pretty serious, doesn't it? But you know what? It even gets more serious. Listen to this. The Pharisees begin to question Jesus about marriage and divorce and all this stuff. In Matthew chapter 19, Jesus answered them, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And then Jesus quotes uh, Genesis chapter two, verse 24. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh so they are no longer, and now Jesus gives the commentary, so they are no longer uh, two but one flesh. And then listen to what he says. What therefore God has joined together. Not about the marriage license. It's not about the law of the land. What God has joined together, let not man separate. So your marriage is on record in heaven. And that's why Jesus said to the married believers, to the married believers, I give you this charge, not I, but the Lord. Matthew 19, that the wife should not separate from her husband, nor the husband divorce his wife. And if you do, you got two options. One, stay unmarried. To the Corinthians, Paul's saying that. Or two, what? Go back and get it right. 
Go back and, if at all possible, reconcile. Remain unmarried or be reconciled. At the Bible Chapel, we always counsel for reconciliation. Even when there are biblical grounds for divorce. And there are two biblical grounds for divorce. Let me give you one and then we'll look at the other one in this passage. The first one is this. Pharisees are talking to Jesus in that same passage, uh, Matthew 19. The Pharisees said to him, wait a minute. You say, God, join this together. I don't get it, Jesus, because why then did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce and send her away? And he said to them, because of what? The hardness of your heart, Moses allowed for you to divorce your wives from the but But from the beginning, what? Wasn't so. And I say to you, Whoever divorces his wife except for immorality and marries another commits adultery. So he says, whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery. But there's that exception clause in the middle there, that first reason for divorce. And what is it? Sexual immorality. So the first biblical grounds for divorce, one of the two, is sexual immorality. If there's adultery... You have biblical grounds for divorce. Again, we always counsel for for reconciliation, and there have been some beautiful stories. But there are biblical grounds when one has had an affair. There's another biblical grounds for divorce. Look at chapter 7, verses 12 and 13. So to the married, believing married, Paul says, now to the rest, so this would be those who are not believers, or particularly he's talking to here, Uh, a a couple where one is a believer and one's not. Maybe the husband's a believer, the wife's not, or vice versa. Paul says, to the rest I say, not I, not the Lord, that if any brother has a wife who is an unbeliever and she consents to live with him, he should not, not divorce her. If any woman has a husband who is an unbeliever and she consents to live with, he consents to live with her, she should not divorce him. So you have... um, Paul went into Corinth, right? And he had these unbelievers. And so let's say the wife becomes a believer, but the husband doesn't. And Paul's saying, so you're a believer wife and your husband isn't. But if your husband says, you know, that's, that's fine. We're not on the same spiritual page. I get it. But I love you and I love our family and I want to be, a, I, I want to be with you. Then Paul says, that's it. That's, that's fine. Do not separate from them. Don't divorce them or don't leave them. Make sense? Unbeliever with a believer. Look at verse 14. For the unbelieving husband is made holy because of his wife, and the unbelieving wife is made holy because of her husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean, but as it is, they are holy. And what Paul talking about there? He's, he's not saying that your wife is now a believer. If she was an unbeliever and you became a Christian, now she's a believer or vice versa. Paul's just saying that in your marriage as a believer, you're going to be a channel of grace. You're going to be a spiritual blessing in your marriage. 
And we have examples of that. Um, you can jot down, uh, you can jot down a couple uh, passages. Uh, you could jot down um, uh, Genesis chapter 30, verse 27, where Jacob is a believer. He's in Laban, Laban's household, and it says Laban's household was blessed because of Jacob being there. Uh, when, when Joseph was in Potiphar's household, uh, Genesis uh, chapter 39.5, the house is blessed because Jacob. So, so if you're a believer in the household, you're a channel of grace. And who knows that God might use you to bring your spouse to the Lord. Look at verse 16. For how do you know, wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, husband, whether you will save your wife? Who knows when God's going to bring that person uh, to himself and how he'll use you to do that. We were, I was in a, a touch and I uh, taught a class uh, for the men last fall. And there was a guy in there that said, man, I've been praying. I've been a believer. My wife uh, hasn't been for 35 years. I've been praying for her and she just became uh, a believer. That's pretty cool, right? She, he, he prayed for her. He demonstrated for her. So keep praying. Keep praying that God would bring that unbelieving spouse to himself. Look at verse 15. But, Paul says, if the unbelieving partner separates, so, the un, so you're the believer, you're not going to send the unbeliever away, but if the unbeliever says, I can't do this, I'm not on the same spiritual page, I don't get it. If the unbeliever partner separates, then so be it. In such cases, a brother or sister, the, the believing brother or sister is not enslaved. God has called you to peace. Does that make sense? So now the unbeliever has, has walked away, said, I don't want, I don't want to do this. You, you can do that. Paul says, that's okay. And so you have two biblical grounds for divorce, adultery, right? And what? Abandonment, right? Abandonment by an unbeliever. Adultery and abandonment. Now, we don't know this for sure, but think about this with me. In Acts chapter 7, Paul says that when Stephen was stoned, it says, I cast my lot for Stephen to be stoned. If Paul cast his lot for Stephen to be stoned, he would have been a member of the Sanhedrin the 70 rulers of Israel. If he was a member of a Sanhedrin, all the members of the Sanhedrin had to be married. So it's very possible, likely, that Paul was married at one point. Uh, we never, he, he talks about being single and staying single, so we don't know what happened. Maybe his wife died. Maybe this was the case. And when Paul was on that road to Damascus and God interrupted his life and he became a believer, his wife said, hey, I'm, I'm Jewish, I don't get it. I didn't want any part of that. So Paul could be explaining what happened to him. That'd be a good podcast, wouldn't it? Talk about that. But Paul says, if the unbeliever goes, you let them go. So two biblical grounds for divorce, adultery, and abandonment. And some of you I know are saying, well, time out. What about abuse? What about physical or emotional abuse? That's a great question. Let's add some more. Um, spousal abuse, child abuse, addiction to pornography, 
drug abuse, um, alcohol abuse, that often leads to physical abuse or emotional abuse. What about a gambling addiction that would jeopardize your, 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 your family, your household? So I wish there was a verse that said, when this happens, divorce is okay. When this happens, it's not okay. When this happens, it's okay. When this happens, it's not okay. There's not. So all we can do is to say what Scripture says, right? Can't say more than that. So we can say for certain that a biblical grounds for divorce is adultery and abandonment. But these others are real issues that we got to deal with. So how do we how do we even approach that then when scripture is kind of silent? We do two things. We look at the truth of scripture and the person of God, the character of God. So a couple of things here. First, if a person is in a physical or emotional abusive relationship, get out now. We will help you get out. We, will, we would never counsel for you to stay in or go back to an abusive relationship. Never. Second, we would never counsel for a person to stay or go back to a relationship where their children are in danger physically or emotional or sexual abuse. Wouldn't do that any type of abuse. So in dangerous situations, you need to get out of that, and we'll help you do that. Now, that doesn't mean immediate divorce, just like we would always counsel for reconciliation. We would try to get this person help. They're sick. Try to get them help. See repentance, transformation, reconciliation. That's always the goal, even when adultery occurs, even when we have these biblical grounds. We're always counseling for restoration. God does some beautiful things there, but we would never have you stay in a dangerous situation. And the, and the, and the sinister thing about abuse is it's not only sick, but it's cyclical, right? All these tearful apologies, and then you're right back into it. If you're in that situation, let me, say, let me say this. If you're here today and you're an abuser and you know if you are, I, I don't know what causes it. I don't know if it was in your background or, or what. But that cycle's got to stop. And you got to come out of hiding. And you got to get help from men's ministry or women's ministry. And and get protection for your family. Protect them from yourself. So again, in Scripture, we can only say here are biblical grounds for divorce, adultery, and abandonment. But let me say this, and I've written this in your notes just so we're clear. While issues other than adultery and abandonment cannot be claimed as explicit grounds for divorce, we can't say what Scripture doesn't. Separation should occur, and ultimately divorce may occur for safety and protection. I'm going to say that again. While issues other than adultery and abandonment 
cannot be claimed to be explicit grounds for divorce. Separation should occur, and ultimately, divorce may occur for safety and protection. Are we on the same page? You guys get that? Let me say one other thing before moving on. If you're in a dating relationship and you ever see your partner demonstrate, you ever experience physical, emotional, verbal abuse, if you're ever forced to do anything you don't want to do, get out of that thing right now. Because it's not going to, it's not going to get fixed once you say, I do. Now, I know when, when, you, when you confront, there'll be all these tearful apologies. That's, that's the pattern. But abuse is sick and cyclical. So we have this uh, podcast called Fresh Faith. And in a past episode, uh, we, we uh, shared a story, actually, of a mother and her son. So Marlene, Marlene's been a, a member of our church for many years. And I've got that podcast on the notes. I'd love, I'd ask you to listen to it. Uh, Marlene, um, her husband, she had two kids, two boys, and her husband passed away. And so there was a guy in the church. Everyone thought she should, he was a good guy and she should marry him. And so she did. And uh, he was an abuser. And he used scripture as the means to abuse, which is even more diabolical. And uh, she hung in there for a long time. And you can hear her story. And she, and she stayed in it until she realized that her kids were getting old enough and, and strong and bigger than him. And they really might kill him for the things that she, he was doing to her. Got out of it and... Uh, Years went by. Now we're talking 20, 20 years, 25 years. And by God's grace, and you can hear this story, uh, when this abuser w w was dying, that whole family went back and uh, they, they ministered to him. And there was beautiful f forgiveness uh, in that story. So, so check it out. And I think it'll answer a lot of questions that we're talking about uh, today. So at the end of the day, here, here's what we know. The, the beauty of, of marriage and all that marriage encompasses, it's a great gift from God and it's to be taken seriously. You're in this thing for keeps. You're, you're, you're in this thing to demonstrate to a world that God truly can transform lives. Here, here, here's, what, here's what a husband and wife who love God, this is what it looks like. And then for your kids, the stability the, the, the love that's shown, the demonstration of all that, just don't tell me it's going to be better for the kids if you divorce. If you're saying that, I know, I know, I know, the kids are resilient. If you really believe that, I got a book for you to read. It's called The Unexpected Legacy of Divorce, a 25-year landmark study. It's by Judith Wallenstein. She's not a believer, but she followed divorce kids for 25 years, and it is heartbreaking. So if you think they're resilient, read the book. All right. Seven lessons we can learn from 1 Corinthians. The best thing, I'm repeating myself, the best thing you can do for your children is to have a healthy marriage. There is no substitute for a healthy marriage. Well, it'd be better if we split because we're arguing all the time. Well, it'd be better if you don't argue all the time. So get that fixed. Have a healthy marriage. Your kids 
will benefit from that. They are going to be blessed by that. And when you don't, generations are going to be impacted by it. So I spoke at uh, uh, Grove City's, three of our kids went to Grove City uh, College and I spoke at Grove City Chapel one time. And when you speak there, they have one of your children uh, introduce you. So my son Garrison introduced me, which I was a little nervous about, uh, honestly. And, um, and, uh, and, And then he said, I could say a lot of things about my dad. And then I got really nervous. And then he said, but the only thing I really want to say and the best thing I can say is, He and my mom have been together for 32 years. See, it didn't matter to him, the Disney World trips. Oh, we never took them, but. um, (laughs) There's counseling for that later on. Those things didn't matter. Those things didn't matter. All the stuff you do in life doesn't matter. But his mom and dad were together. And that's a story your kids would tell as well best thing you can do for your family is to have a healthy marriage. So do the things that nourish and grow your marriage. That's number two. Go to marriage enrichment. We, we usually offer a marriage enrichment class or seminar once a year. We didn't do it this year. We want to do it next year. There are weekend seminars. Put as much work into the relationship of your marriage businessmen as you do running a business. As the strategic planning you do for your work put as much work into that relationship and nourish it and grow it. In marriage uh, um, enrichment, we talk about date nights and doing the things you need to go to do to keep growing. And by the way, if you need some help, get help. Put down the pride and get the help. Now I know, because I talk to couples and they say, I know we're the only ones in the church who are struggling. Because everyone looks so good, right? We all look so perfect. So if you think today you're the only one struggling, let me just say on behalf of all of us, we are all screwed up, all right? We're all messed up. So put down your pride and do the things God's calling you to do. Teach good relationship values to your children. They're gonna get married someday. Pray for your kids. We prayed for all our uh, son-in-law and son-in-laws and daughter-in-law. I have one favorite daughter-in-law. Uh, uh, daughter-in-law. We've been praying for them for 20 years. We didn't know who they were, but we were praying for them. So pray for them. And then teach your kids about, teach your kids about uh, uh, relationships and restrict them from dating too early. By the way, it is not cute to have little Sally and, and little Johnny liking each other and putting that on Facebook and Instagram. That is not cute. Johnny drop, you know, Johnny's parents drops them off at the theater and then Sally's parents picks them up and all that bunk. That's not cute. The, 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 the uh, earlier kids date or like each other or have a relationship, sexual promiscuity goes through the roof. The earlier, the more percentage they're going to do something they shouldn't do. You're the parent. For for our kids, we had uh, you couldn't date until you were 16, and then primarily with groups. If I had it to do over again, that'd probably be like 25 or 30. I, I don't I don't know. <laughs> Have honest talks about the use of digital devices. Uh, that's not that's not just pornography, but the gaming stuff. 
there are counselors now saying one of the things they're dealing with in new marriages are, 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 are husbands who are on their phone all the time and doing gaming stuff, not even paying attention to their wives. Because now you can have, you know, you can play games with someone in Thailand and that's cool. But then when you're married and you get addicted to that, that's not so cool anymore. So parents, you're the parent, right? Restrict your kids from doing that. And by the way, if you're a young married couple and you're on your phone all the time, God, wake up. Just wake up and have some real talk and relationship going back and forth. Number five, young adults, predetermine uh, who you will date and who you want, won't date. Parents, have this talk with your kids. We do this thing here. I've done it with the young adults. Uh, Lori and I did it with our kids. Uh, I've done it with the young adults. I've done it with the high school kids. It's, we call it mate, M-A-T-E, M-A-T-E, mate. M is must have. Here are the things I must have in a relationship. I won't even start a relationship if these things are not involved. They've got to be a believer if I'm a believer, right? And here are some other things. I will not start this relationship without this. The A is add-ons. These would be some good things that I'd like to have. And then that starts your personality and preferences. T, take it or leave it. They have a tattoo. I don't care, you know, one way or another, right? Tattoo, that just came to my mind. I don't know why that came to my mind. But uh, take it or leave it. Some take it or leave it, right? And then the E is end of the road. This relationship stops if this happens, or it never begins if I learn this. And it's fascinating to, to hear what young adults will say and, and our kids said and, and, and teenagers will say, do that with your kids, just work it through. Mate, I got a little blog here. You can go check out the blog if you'd like uh, to do that. Number six, if you're involved in a serious relationship, contact us for an assessment before you buy the ring. When you buy the ring and it goes on your finger, your brain, some, it does something to your brain, right? You don't think clearly. You start getting the date, all right? And then you've got the venue and then you've got the caterer and pretty soon you feel like you're too far in to make a decision that you know you need to make. I've seen it happen many times. If you're in a serious relationship... Before you get the ring, give us a call. We'll set up an appointment. We have uh, assessments, relationship assessments uh, called uh, Prepare and Rich. We have a thing called Culture Index. We can show you how you're wired. We have ways that you can say, here's a really positive part of your relationship. Here's some red flags that you're going to have to deal with. Man, but do that before you get the ring. Be smart enough to prepare well for your relationship. So um, maybe you didn't like this sermon. Stand in, stand in a long line, right? Because you said, you know what? I, uh, I didn't do everything right. I got the scars to prove it. And I'm on my second or third marriage. I got issues with the kids. I was the one who blew up the marriage. And so sometimes uh, these are hard to hear, right? So if that's you today, I just want you to hear this. Take a deep breath 
and rest in God's grace and God's forgiveness. Aren't you glad? God is a God of grace and mercy and forgiveness. If not for that, we're, we're all done. God loves you so much that he sent his son to die on a cross for your sins so that you don't have to carry the weight of the burden. So you can say, God, man, I am sorry. I can't go back and fix everything. But, but will you restore some of those broken pieces? And will you allow me to move on with this painful experience? Maybe I can help someone else out. Let me read you some passages about forgiveness. You can jot these down, or I'll send them to you. Isaiah chapter 1, 18. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. They, they are as red as crimson. What? They'll be like wool. Isaiah 38, 17. Surely it was for my benefit that I suffered such anguish. In your love you kept me from the pit of destruction. You have put all my sins behind your back. Aren't you glad God says that? All your sins. You don't have to carry them anymore. I put them behind my back. I don't, I don't see them. Isaiah 43, 25. I am he who, who what? Blots out your transgressions. Micah 7. 18 and 19, who is a God like you who pardons sin and forgives the transgression of the remnant of, of uh, his inheritance? You do not stay angry forever, but delight in showing mercy. You will again have compassion on us. You will, I, I love this part, you will tread our sins underfoot and hurl all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. Psalm 103, 13 and, uh, uh, 11 through 13. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love to those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. One more. Acts three nineteen. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be what? Pretty significant, isn't it? Your sins may be wiped out. Aren't you thankful for God's forgiveness? Second chances and third chances and fourth chances. He's a God who loves you and cares for you. And he's a God who wants you to do it right and gives you everything you need to do what he's calling you to do. We're going to sing a song. Uh, Christine's going to lead us in this song. Here, here, the song goes like this. Arise, my soul, remember this. He took my sin and he buried it. No longer I who live, now Jesus lives in me, for I was dead in sin, but I woke to see the light. No, I won't boast, but in the cross that saved my soul, all else is lost. The grip of fear has no hold on me. So where, O oh death, where is your sting? No longer I who live, but what? Jesus lives in me. For I was dead in sin, but I woke up to see the light. Christine will start the song, and then she'll invite us uh, into this song as we sing it together, this great forgiveness of God. Father, we thank you for who you are, your love, your goodness, your instruction. And I pray, Lord, that you would speak to each person here. Challenge, rebuke, 
and comfort and compassion. Do your work in our hearts, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. with me. the coronavirus is going to be a pandemic or if there's overreaction or hype, right? We don't know that. But here's what we know. The virus of pride will blow up your marriage. And the virus of sin will just wreak havoc in relationships. So do what you need to do to nourish and build and bring healing and restoration 
to the relationship that God has given you, not just for yourself, but for your kids and your grandkids and a long legacy that you're leaving. We'll have those uh, come up and pray uh, today, and we'd love to pray with you. Whatever you have going on in your life, I know some of you are going through some tough uh, illnesses, uh, relationships, whatever you have going on, and we'd love to pray with you and pray for you. Father, be with us as we leave. And help us to be those who demonstrate to a watching world, Lord, as we talked about marriage today, help us to be those, those who are married. Help us to demonstrate to all those in our world, all those in our network of family and friends, this is what it looks like to follow hard after Jesus in our marriage, in our relationship, in our family. So, Lord, that we can be those witnesses to really demonstrate what that, that, that you transform and that you restore our lives. Be with us, Lord, as we leave. In Christ's name, amen.